We're going to look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. And so we're not going to get any further than those two verses. Uh, because after that we get into total, something totally different. So let's read 2 and 3, and then we will begin. 1 John chapter 3, 2 and 3. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him just as he is. Ain't that a cool verse? Yes. We shall see him just as he is. Yes. Verse 3. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Yes. Yes. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we just ask the Lord that as we have read your word, that it would resonate in our hearts today. We know the reason for 1 John. We know those that were coming against the church in 1 John in that first century. We ask that we would be able to apply these teachings to our life. Lord, we need application today, and so I pray that we would be able to do so. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. 1 John chapter 3 we know this. We know what First John, why it was given to the church. Can anybody tell me real quick? Why was First John given to the church? So that we may know we have what? Eternal life. So that we may know we have eternal life. Not based upon feelings, not based upon emotion, not based upon what our heart says, but based upon the written word of God, what God's word tells us. And we know that God's word brings about worship. God's word brings about those true feelings and those true emotions and true experiences. And so we know, according to 1 John, it's given to us so that we may know we have eternal life. Verse 2, listen to what it says. Keep in mind that the Gnostics were persecuting the church, spreading false teachings, spreading heresy in the church. And we'll get to that here in a little bit and what they were doing. But keep that in mind as John goes through this because he finds it important to speak to people and tell them these things. And so we need to listen to that. And as Valentine's Day is coming up tomorrow and everybody's true loves or uh, getting roses and different things, I pray that we would be able to know who our true love is. That He is Jesus Christ. Just as Dickie said earlier, as he prayed, we prayed that we would not uh, lose our first love in sight of who our first love is. And the church had. and, And so we need to, if we have lost that, if you're a child of God, you need to regain that. You need to fall in love with Christ and see the beauty of His majesty and what He's done for you. But listen to what it says in chapter, in verse 2. Beloved, very fitting for Valentine's Day. He speaks here and He says, Beloved, now we're children of God, and it has not yet appeared as yet what we shall be. We looked at being a child of God called children of God last week. This morning we're not going to talk about that because we've already covered it. It says, we know that when He appears, 
we shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is. What's he talking about here when he appears? Jesus. When he comes back, right? When he comes back. So what's John telling us? Well, obviously John's the revelator, but we also know John is telling us emphatically that there is going to be a return. Without a doubt. That's not a question if there's going to be. He says when it happens. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 51 tells us, Behold, I tell you a mystery. Paul is writing this. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. And what John is telling us here is basically this. I don't know what we will be glorified like, what we will be glorified into, but I know the one that we will be glorified into, what we will, what we will be, we will be like him. And what is him? Who is he that he's talking about? Christ. But there's something more important here that we're looking at more about. We're not talking about just about a physical appearance or how our glorified bodies will be, which he's saying that he don't know what we will be like. But he's telling us that we will be like Christ. In what manner? Holy. Holy. That's what he's telling us. Holy. John tells us here, looks at what it says, Behold, we are children of God and has not yet appeared as yet what we shall be. He says, we don't know what we are going to be. That's not appeared yet. Christ hasn't came back yet. We don't know what that's going to be like. But one thing that we do know is that we're going to look like him and he is holy. John says, basically, I don't understand that mystery that's fixing to happen that 1 Corinthians 15 and 51 tells you about. Behold, I tell you a mystery. He says, I don't understand that fully. But what I do know is we will be like Christ. Holy. Christ is coming back. We will see him and we'll be like him. Amen. John is resolute in this. The Savior will return and will present himself unto us. John is so clear on this. Job in the Old Testament is clear on this. And the reason why I like to bring up the Old Testament is because a lot of people just like to throw it by the wayside. We don't do that at Grace. Because we know that what you do on one side, you've got to do on the other. And so you've got to have both to make the complete, right? And so Job, here in the days of the patriarchs in 19 and 25, listen to what he says about his Savior. He calls him he and his as well. Listen to what he says, Job 19 and 25. And as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will take his stand on the earth. You hear what he says? He will take his stand on the earth. Then Job goes on to say this, Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God. Job believed in the resurrection. He believed in the second coming of Christ just as John did. We teach that here. Verse 27 says, Whom I myself shall behold. So he says, Job says, Whom I myself shall behold. And whom my eyes shall see. And not another. Yes. 
See, Job believed like John believed. Just like we believe today. From Job to John, we, we see Christ's return is imminent. He's coming again. He's coming again, so you need to make ready your heart. This is, this is, this is very apparent. You can see the world today and see that it's, it is full of, of evil continually. It is apparent that we need to make ready our hearts. John tells us, I don't know what we will appear to be like, but I know we will be like Jesus, holy. So he tells us he is coming back, but he also tells us we will see him just as he is. We'll see him as he is. Is that not a cool verse or what? He's going to come back and we're going to see him just as he is. No more seeing through a glass darkly. No more, no more smoke. We're going to see the glorious majesty Amen. of our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yes. The one that we've been waiting on. We're, we're going to get to see him. In that moment, in that moment, our great race will be over. In that moment, our faith will be over. In that moment, our work will be over. We will be done. And our faith will end in sight. John is resolute in this point. He knows that the coming of the Lord is close. John knew it 2,000 years ago. We're still teaching it and still believing it. And we're still holding on to that hope in Christ that He will return. In a blaze of glory. <laughs> He's going to return for sure. Yes. Let's move on. So we know that our faith can end in sight. Our reward, our reward is close and it, it is at hand. So, I mean, our race is nearly complete. And I, I, don't, I don't know if we grasp that. I don't know if we ever contemplate that. But I fully believe that we're in the 11th hour. And matter of fact, I believe that it is dawning. Okay? I believe we, we are in it. And know this, church, know this. That the glory of God will be revealed to us in the majesty of His Son when He returns. John is resolute about it. Job is resolute about it. And they stand upon it. And they have the hope that's mentioned here in verse 3. We will see the glorious, beautiful one who saved us. We will see him as he is holy. We will be like him, our living hope. Notice John says also, we shall be like him, holy. This flesh of sin and its desires will drop away completely. And finally, we will be fully be pure. Be pure. Do, we, do we grasp that? Do we understand that? I want, I want us to take for just a moment. I want us to think about this for just a moment. Can you imagine your heart not tormented? Can you imagine your life not tormented by the deceitfulness of the world, by the deceitfulness of Satan, by the deceitfulness of your own flesh? Can you imagine a period of time where you are not tormented, where you are not 
haunted by the things that have gone on in your life, your shortcomings and your failures and your faults, your guilt and your shames. Can you imagine a time when your flesh will not be tempted? Where your tongue will not be tempted to slur somebody else? This is what it's going to be like when the Lord returns. We will be holy like Him. We will put on that permanent righteousness that will be faultless. See, while we're still here in the flesh, we have problems. And this is what John is trying to show us. We have problems in the flesh. Judy does. I do. Does anybody else have a problem in the flesh? Please, somebody testify to that. We have a problem with it. But can you imagine at some point when the Lord returns that we will not have that problem anymore. There will be no more persecution. There will be no more tormenting in the flesh. There will be no more persecution from the outside world or from the devil himself. We will be perfect with our Lord. Holy. The reason why John is speaking about this passage of Scripture and telling us this is because what was going on in the New Testament church in the first century with the Gnostics. He's telling us this for a reason. And I'm going to get to it. Listen to what it says. So we know that we're going to be holy. We know that he's going to return and we know that John kind of gets carried away in verses 1 and 2. But we also know that he's not returned yet and that we're still here. So that tells us something. That tells us that we have to have, that there's work to do. We're not there where the Lord returns yet. He has not come back. And until he comes back, we're to continue to do what we are doing if that is right. Listen to what it says in verse 3. And everyone who has this hope... Remember I told you that those italicized words are not in the original manuscripts? They're just added in there to uh, show us or to kind of make it to where we can understand the text, but it's easily, uh, it's easily worded without that word fixed there. And everyone who has this uh, hope on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Let me give you a side note here on this text. In these, this passage of Scripture, this chapter 3, 29 times, you need to write this down, 29 times it says he or him in this passage of Scripture. 29 times John is referring to Christ Jesus over and over and over because our hope is in nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. And John tells us that and he shows us and it's almost like you're whipping a dead horse but we're going to whip it anyways because John tells us that we our faith and our hope, our trust, everything must be founded on the eternal one, the holy one, Jesus Christ. No getting around it, folks. No getting around it. And so he says, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. How can we tell if we have eternal life? Remember the book was about having eternal life, how we can know that we have eternal life. How can we tell that we have eternal life? Well, right here. Right here. Are you in the fight or are you not? Do you even care? Look at the text. 
Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself. Purifies himself. Those that have the hope of eternal life in Christ Jesus, in and on only Christ Jesus, will purify themselves just as Christ is holy or pure. You say, you talking about works for salvation? Nope, I am not. I'm talking about a salvation that works. You write that down. A salvation that works. This is exactly what the Gnostics were teaching against in the first century church. Exactly what they were teaching against. I'll explain that to you here in just a minute. Meaning, let me me explain this. Meaning our lifestyle, our ways, will be in a constant state of living by faith and working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Yesterday I, I plowed my I say plowed my garden. I didn't plow it. I tilled it. I planted five rows of taters. Me and the kids was out, outside and we, we planted some potatoes and tilled it up, hold out, the, hold out the, the, the rows, threw them in there, covered them up, went over to one of my raised beds I hadn't tended to in a long time. It's my raised bed. I take full responsibility for it. I had weeds growing in it. Had to get them out. Went over there and started working on it. Got them out. That's what it's talking about. We have a salvation that has to be worked. Too many people don't work their salvation. They're saved and then they leave it alone and think that they're good, think that they're golden, think they got a ticket, and all the while they just leave it alone and they're increasingly shriveling and dying on the vine. For lack of better words. Because they don't work their salvation. We are called to work it. And let me tell you something. We took that spiritual giftings test the other day and it showed me very clearly where I needed to work. It showed me where I was lacking as a man of God. It showed me where I was lacking in my faith. We have to work our salvation. It's a free and a perfect, a beautiful gift from Jesus Christ, but it must be worked. Our lifestyle, our ways. This should be in a constant state of of living by faith and working our salvation. It's called a consecrated life. A sanctified life. Actually working in our salvation. Working those fruits of the Spirit. You know what I'm talking about. Yielding to the Spirit when it rises up inside of you and tells you not to say something. Don't say it. That's called obedience to the Lord. There's a reason why we have that unction or that holy anointing that's been given to us that chapter 2 talks about. So it doesn't leave us without understanding. The Spirit came to give us understanding, came to give us an anointing and and an unction that leads us into a righteous lifestyle. And see, what John is talking about here is not just not sin one time. He's talking about a lifestyle. A lifestyle. You'll see that in 4, 5, and 6, which we're not going to get to today. Let's move on so I don't get off track here. Those that do this, those that purify themselves as Christ is pure, 
those that truly exercise their faith, those that have this holy anointing or this unction to be like Christ, have eternal life. Verse 3, listen to what it says. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. There is proof in their walk and in their talk. They want to be more Christ-like. This goes directly against the false teachers and the false prophets who were teaching in the first century church. The Gnostics believed that you either had it or you didn't. They believed in God, or what they thought to be. They believed that, that if you had it, then you had it. And if you had it, then you could do whatever you wanted to because all flesh and all nature was corrupt in of itself. So you could just do whatever you wanted to. That's what the Gnostics taught. This is why John comes with this letter to the early church and he tells them, no, no, no. You can't live the way that you want to live as a child of God. There has to be some type of boundary. And it's right here in God's Word. He that has this hope... Fixed on him, purifies himself, even as he is pure. Which means, if I'm a child of God, and my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness, if that's the case, then I will walk as Jesus walked. He's not left us alone. He's given us the Spirit the paraclete, to lead us and to guide us. We understand according to Scripture, we are to abstain from all appearances of evil. Is that not right? That's hard to hear, isn't it? Abstain from all appearances of evil. As children of God. This means we actually have to work on our salvation. We can't do as the Gnostics and just say, well, everything's evil, so we'll just leave it alone and do what we want. Paul teaches us that we don't have that liberty to do that, to go on sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning, to re-crucify the Savior. We don't have that liberty There is a sanctification, there is a consecration that must take place in a person's life. So the question stands, are you in the fight or are you not? Do you want to be more like Christ? Do you wish to serve Him better? Do you want a closer walk, a closer talk that that looks more like Christ? Are you renewing your mind daily? Are you reading your word daily? Oh, he shouldn't have said that. Man, it's hard, isn't it? Just to sit down and read your word. But if you don't, you won't know. Time of being ignorant has passed. There's no sense in it. In James 4 and 7 and 8, Robert read it earlier. Submit therefore to Christ, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, your hearts, you double-minded. For the child of God, 
today that is not doing the things they should be doing, we need to get it right. If we have been called by the Lord Jesus Christ unto salvation, and we have walked with the saints of God, and we know that we are children of God, then you will purify yourself just as Christ is pure. You will work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not okay to do what we want. This applies to me and it applies to you as well. The Gnostics believed that they could. John comes here to clarify the situation and to tell them, no, no, no. It is not okay to go do whatever you want to do. There's repercussions and consequences. If you are that child of God, repent and confess. Turn, get out of the rut. Get back in God's Word. Get back in prayer. Yield to the Spirit. Those that have this hope will do this. Plain and simple. If you have it, you will do this. You will have this desire, this unction from the Holy Spirit burning inside of you to go and to follow after Christ. This is not a popular teaching. It wasn't popular back then, and it's not popular today because it, co- it challenges us and causes us to do something. Yes, amen. The days of being babies are over. Yes, yes. There is a work that has to be done in our life. Yes. And we're either in love with our Savior and following after Him, Or we've dropped back somewhere. Those that have dropped back need to get back on track. Get out of that rut and get off that path that you're on. The first love is out in front. You know where he's at. Run to him. Those that have this hope will do this. For those that don't know Christ. Those that don't have Christ. The passage of Scripture John chapter, or 1 John chapter 3, 24 verses. In 24 verses, Jesus Christ, the love of John's heart, Jesus Christ is mentioned 29 times in 24 verses. I think it's clear who the Savior is. It's clear who the Messiah is. It's clear who the person is. And the express image of the glory of God is. It's Christ. And for the person that's lost, this passage of Scripture, this chapter is eaten up with Christ. Look to Him. Look to Him. Trust in Christ by faith. Today, Guys, and, I, and I'm going to stop there, and the reason why I'm going to stop there is 10 minutes till, and I don't have time to get into uh, the lawlessness from 4 through, four through uh, 9. I don't have time to get into that this morning, and that's a whole other topic. And so uh, we're going to stop here on 3. But for those that know the Lord, that need to get back on track, you need to get back on track. 
Uh, you, need, you need to get back on to, to serving your first love. For those that don't know the Lord, Jesus Christ is, is shown very clearly here. He has shown to us over and over. It is called, he is called he or him or his multiple times in this passage of Scripture, cl- showing us clearly who the Messiah and who the hope, who the rock of John's foundation is. We need to understand that and believe in him by faith, repentance, and confession. Uh, this day, if the Lord has saved you. Listen to me. If the Lord has saved you, we don't do much of an altar call at Grace. Uh, we don't, we, I, I usually don't, we do an invitation, but I don't just say everybody just come down here at one time. I don't, we don't do that. But if the Lord has saved you, it's time that you DTR it. You say, what in the world is DTR? Define the relationship. Yes. You say, what do you mean, Pastor. If the Lord has saved you and you're here this morning and you've never made it public, you've never confessed it before men, you've never professed it before the church to the world, it's time to DTR it. Take a step out by faith and let the people know what the Lord has done for you. Define the relationship. When we do marriage counseling, Casey and I that's funny. We do marriage counseling. Um, we, we do marriage counseling when we do marriage counseling. Um, <laughs> we do marriage counseling together when we do it. Um, when we do it, though, we always tell the people to find the relationship, DTR. Yes. We need to understand where we're at and what type of relationship we're in. Yes. And if the Lord has saved you and you've kept your light under a bushel, you need to find the relationship this morning and tell, tell the people and tell the church. Make it public. Between you and the Savior to the church and to the world. So there's, there's work that has to be done in our salvation. There is work that absolutely has to be done. Yes. We can't be like the Gnostics and just say, well, everything's, everything's wicked. All flesh is corrupt and everything's wicked so we can do what we want. That's not good enough. John tells us very clearly that he that has this hope fixed on him purifies himself even as he is pure. And so we're to be about our, our Lord's business. Let's pray.